This is Paul Nobles from Eat Reform. And once again, I'm here with my trusty cohort, Dr. Susan Kleiner. Susan, do you want to say hello? Hello, Paul. <laughs> it's great to be here again, as usual. So we have a good good topic. This is actually going to end up being three different podcasts. We're going to try and keep all of which a little bit short and try to cover um, as much as we can. But, but all of these topics are actually quite broad and we could get really in depth and really super sciencey. but I need everyone to understand that we're kind of going into this with, um, with the idea that um, it's, it's really more of an overview, right? And uh, there'll be some specifics that we give, but, you know, when you talk about this, you know, and, and people have done a certain diet or, or whatever, you know, dieting is one of these things that can be um, rise to almost the religious level. Um, and so we're going to we're going to provide an overview that hopefully provides perspective on diets that maybe you did and, and why you failed and maybe things that you could have learned along the way and, and things of that nature. Um, Susan, why, before we get going, why don't uh, you let everyone know you know, where they can reach you, your books and such, because I know that uh, for this one specifically, good mood dieting is probably a real good thing for people to check out. Oh, thanks, Paul. So you can find me uh, and my books and access to me at my website, drskleiner.com, or you can even go now to Kleiner. Dot com. Uh, either one of those will get to my website, drskleiner.com or drsusankleiner.com. Um, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Power Eat, Dr. Susan Kleiner on Facebook. And, um, and on certain Sunday mornings, I'm here with Paul. Yeah, and so um, I'm Paul Nobles. I'm the co-founder of Eat to Perform. And uh, normally I talk to people about, you know, what they can do to sign up for Eat to Perform. But this one, I'm going to be a little bit different because we have our lifetime push. And we're going to go over this um, as it relates to dieting and dieting for life, right? Because one of the reasons why we offer Lifetime as a product is because we want to be an advocate for food, right? And so um, you have to sign up as an Eat Reform member. You can't just come in and buy Lifetime because we want you to know what the program's like, right? But we give people the option to never have a membership fee ever, Right. And so obviously that's a little bit more expensive than just our standard product. But we've had clients that have had lifetime for almost 10 years now, you know, and many of whom, by the way, you know, they once they stabilize their weight and they kind of get the gist of it, they do move to like an intuitive way of doing things. And then if they kind of need a little cleanup or something, they'll come in and we'll kind of rework things. But one of the things that we don't do necessarily is just go, okay, we're going to pull your calories down. A lot of those people come back and they start in performance. That's the, 
the combination that Susan and I have together is that we're more focused on the foods that you eat after your dieting cycle, because for the most part, that should represent your whole life, right? And that's why we offer lifetime. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in, in this because a lot of the diet industry is based on failure, right? And it's, and it's very clear that it's based on failure. And some of that is, is, you know, just kind of, um, I mean, one of the things that people don't realize is that dieting is actually relatively new. It's not something that's been around, you know, for hundreds of years in a mainstream way, the way that, you know, uh, toothpaste might be right. Or something of that. And it's important that you know, that, that these things are still kind of evolving. Right. And, and we hope obviously to be a big part of that evolution. Okay. So we're going to talk about, like I said, the history of dieting and, and really the history of dieting and fitness, because it's really important for us to kind of understand that there's a connection between the two and uh, dieting programs sometimes have a weird relationship with exercise. Um, mostly because when you're eating less, you don't feel like doing a whole lot. Right. And so, so, you know, what ends up happening a lot of times is people start eating less or eating in a calorie deficit. And then what ends up happening is they, they start to move to burning calories. And we've done a few podcasts on that and we'll get into that, but I wanted to start with kind of the modern diet prism, right? And for the modern dieting idea, you really have kind of a, a triumvirate of three different sources. You have Weight Watchers, you have Jack LaLanne, and you have Richard Simmons. And all of them brought something to the table that I thought was really interesting. And so we'll start with Weight Watchers, um, just because I think that that is the easiest place to start. And I'm, I'm probably gonna say this multiple times. Um, everyone that is involved in dieting did not necessarily start with evil intent, right? Like in general, you probably were trying to be helpful to people and coming up with a business model that works, that allows you to get your information out there. Right. And so when we look at Weight Watchers, kind of the basis for, for what they started um, is kind of this point system that was based on, on calories. Uh, there was an element, still is an element of, um, of meetings where, where people can meet in real life and, and kind of walk through their experiences and difficulty related to dieting. It's, it's loosely based on um, you know, the 12 steps of, of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, obviously, the difference with food is that you're going to eat food for the rest of your life. You're not necessarily trying to abstain from food, right? And uh, the biggest thing with Weight Watchers, and Susan kind of mentioned it in our pre-call, is that we know a lot about Weight Watchers, right? Weight Watchers have been studied, um, we, we all kind of know 
kind of the general idea with Weight Watchers, right? Is that that it is effective if you are over consuming. And many people will often say, you know, I've done Weight Watchers multiple times, which, you know, somebody like me would say, that should be your clue that it's not working, right? But people don't use Weight Watchers similar to the way that they use Eat Reform, right? They use it like an oil change or a tune-up. And frankly, I think we all know the deal we made with Weight Watchers, right? I don't think that, that um, like all of the, the, the positives and negatives we'll be talking about here, you know, some people might see this critical because a lot of times if, if Weight Watchers was something that helped you, maybe you feel personal about it. And so maybe you might see my criticism or, or, or Susan's criticism and get in your feelings some type of way. You know, we're just stating these things as, as sort of um, facts when they can be, right? Opinions when they can be. Um, and, and hopefully you can take some perspective on it for what it is. But the fact that, you know, Weight Watchers has existed for as long as it's existed with that deal in place and not, you know, they do have, they do put some verbiage out there related to maintenance, but there's really no business model related to um, keeping the weight off. And so what happens is that people feel paralyzed just, just under eating. And so, for that, I'll hand it over to Susan. Was there anything that I said there that you would say is is mostly controversial or or, or not true? Controversial, but historically, <laughs> I have a maybe uh, a slightly different perspective and maybe a little bit of a unique perspective. So um, when Weight Watchers started, that was Jean Nidich, who was the founder. She was in New York City. She had lost weight herself. And her friend said, what are you doing? And she shared it with them. And then, you know, group meetings started in her home and Weight Watchers was born. The original Weight Watchers was based on a food group system and very much like what sort of introductory dietitians learn that based on, um, you know, nutrition, good nutrition, you need to have so many servings of fruits and vegetables, so many servings of protein-rich foods. Uh, they even, she even went into, you know, five fish meals a week. There was, there was a whole lot of um, wholesome nutrition originally built into the program. Um, because I think we had lost, as, as we started to get into uh, food processing and having packaged foods available and convenience foods available, there started to be some disconnect between sort of home economics and the healthy approach to menu planning and what women understood anymore about feeding a family and feeding themselves. I, in the 1960s, was an, a 20 pound overweight child and Weight Watchers started an adolescent program my mother had been a healthy body weight her whole life and also had never had any kind of 
um, dysfunctional relationship with food at all, and had, but had no idea what was happening and why was I slightly overweight. I was very physically active as a child, but, but I was overweight. And so she looked for a solution to help her understand what to do with this 10 year old child. And I was enrolled in Weight Watchers adolescent program. And what I, and they had meetings and it was all adolescents, not adults in the room. In fact, my mother had to join, pay the fee to learn the program um, to help me. But um, what I learned there really was what makes for a healthy diet? What are good choices? And my problem was that in my house, as we were all very active, um, the one of the things we did in the evening was have ice cream every evening. And for a 10-year-old child to add, I don't know, what did I have? A half a cup or a cup of ice cream every evening, that put me enough over probably my calorie need that over several years, I became 20 pounds overweight. And that was really the biggest thing, along with then learning about really certain other things. So the beginning was quite good. They got rid of the adolescent program um, because I think it was fraught with liabilities and lots of issues. And then just like everybody else, Weight Watchers, you know, whether you're a, a, a card-carrying di registered dietitian, it doesn't, any diet guru, anybody, nobody has the answer. And so they, they put out a program it works for a while, um, then, then, it, then people get bored with it and they go on to the next thing, their business isn't doing well, they have to reinvent themselves. And that's what they have done over all these years. And, and you know, to their, as we said, they, they, have, they have opened up Weight Watchers to scientists and researchers. There have, there's, it's very transparent. We all know what Weight Watchers is doing. We know the story. And, and when you decide to go on Weight Watchers, I think very much to Paul's point, people, people kind of know what they're doing, know what they're purchasing, know what they're looking for. I think there have been people who have found success, particularly in those early years when they really actually learn to eat. But in that environment and today's environment of abundance and, and so much dysfunction with food, um, I, I think there's so many more issues that it's very hard for any program to that it that has to be built on some sort of general process and not individualized to be successful for the individual over the long term. So I think that's a great groundwork of what Weight Watchers is and kind of the direction that Weight Watchers um, needs to go. Right. Um, one of the couple of the criticisms is that, you know, every year or so, every two years, they reinvent the business model. And we're going to get into that a little bit later when we start talking about kind of the modern dieting world. Right. Um, but I do remember, I'm pretty sure this would have been in the 70s, where the, the point system started to come into place. Right. And, yeah, long after I had come. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, I mean, you know, just to just to kind of 
kind of take the other side, like in the case of the 20 pounds overweight for you, um, a lot of the times growth spurts, you know, you'll see a kid where they, they hit, they're gaining weight. And then all of a sudden, you know, six months later, they grow six inches and, and now they're lean again. Mm-hmm. I think it's re- really difficult to know whether a child is overweight. Now, do we know that, you know, childhood obesity is, is a big problem? Yes, we do. But that's really more of kind of the choices and the abundance of choices. I mean, I, you know, I, I think a lot of parents feel, feel paralyzed. Um, and I actually talked about this in one of my posts recently where, you know, teens don't need to go on diets. Um, and then people started asking questions. And I, I was talking about my teen daughter and then a division one athlete. I think for you and I, you know, someone that works with highly active people, some people that, that are very um, interested in nutrition and things of this nature, you know, we're dealing with a lot of people that are very interested in their health. And like you said, there's a whole other list of people that, you know, they just want to buy a product for $89.95 and get rid of the 15 to 20 pounds. And what, I don't think that they realize, and, and I think we, we know if you're over consuming and you do Weight Watchers, um, I think that a lot of people think of the point system as obfuscating um, calories, right? Uh, yeah, it was a problem. The point system lost the grounding of, of, uh, of a nutritious diet. Yeah. And it just, it gave you free reign. You know, it was like, you know, I can, I can hit my points by eating, you know, ice cream and, and all this other stuff. There was no, there wasn't real grounding and good nutrition and, and it did ultimately go away. It was, uh, the only thing I do want to say is that the adolescent program that, that came and went was different than the adult program. In oh, okay. You could choose to weigh in or not. Yeah. It was absolutely private when you weighed in. It was not a group thing because in the beginning it was open, if I recall correctly. And the, the other thing was it wasn't a restriction diet. It was really a here is kind of what a kid needs to eat. And it was it was more learning how to eat. And and I always thought it was too bad that it went away, but it probably went away because people weren't getting these big weight loss. I was clearly the smallest kid in the room at the time. And childhood obesity was not a thing yet. Um, And so, uh, and there, and I personally had no disturbed emotional relationship with food. It was just a knowledge and understanding thing. And that was very helpful. Um, But as you're saying, and I want to reinforce, uh, restrictive dieting with children is a very dangerous thing to do. Yeah. And, and so like in the pod or in the post that, that I talked about um, both of these kids, you know, we, what we do as parents is we often put our situation, our metabolism, um, and then we place it on children and, and, and they do not have similar issues right right? so so kids can get away with 
you know, certain things. There was a lot of people, there's always, you know, whenever you use the word diet, and it was very clear that I was talking about restrictive dieting or dieting programs, you know, want to make an issue with the word diet. You know, the problem that we run into there is that when we talk about diet or when we talk about diet as a lifetime solution or, or something of this nature, we often talk about, you know, nutrient density and, and, and a lot of things that actually do cause people to, to undereat, you know, somewhat intuitively, mm-hmm. which isn't horrible um, as long as like a little bit, but if it's being used um, almost as a weapon, right. Where you're, you're just like, if you don't, if you're not eating chicken and kale, man, you're going to gain weight. And it's like, that's not really how, how it all works. Right. I mean, you know, certainly Weight Watchers has, has a lot of data, certainly Noom, which is a newer product on the, on the space that we'll get into later on. They have a lot of data, but so do we. And what we know from what we're doing and how we're doing it is that, you know, the fear that people have of food, you know, is, is sort of unwarranted, right? That, that your body actually does want to be at a certain calorie point. And so after that tune up or car wash, I mean, like, like a lot of the, a lot of the things that people are going to be listening to this, I hope they hear this in your voice and my voice. I, I, in general, I think that Weight Watchers and Noom, as an example, could be a little bit better in terms of like the aftercare. Um, but the fact that they aren't is why I exist, right? It, it, so, so in a way, you know, this is not a criticism of them because I can't tell you how many people know, like for instance, if you've lost 40 pounds, right? Using something like a Weight Watchers or a Noom and, and you plateau. And their service is not, you know, really meant to address that. You're going to come to me, right? And so, so I'm cool with that. Now, would I rather you come to me early on? You know, we deal with a lot of people that have been on, you know, a lifetime of diets. You know, would I like it if, you know, I could get you at a place you know, a little bit earlier in the process. Yes, I would like that, right? Would I like it if we were able to start everyone with exact calculations? Yes, because, you know, once I know what your calories are, then we can actually create an actual deficit. But, you know, we're going to finish this one up real soon. So we won't go too into like the Jack LaLanne or or Richard Simmons part. But, But what I wanted to make sure that everyone understood is that all of these situations start off as helpful, right? And they go into it with this idea, like I don't know the lady that started Weight Watchers, um, but she didn't go into it with the idea that she was gonna harm legions of women who now hold it against her, mm-hmm. right? Or or teenagers that that talk about, I was put on Weight Watchers when I was eight years old, you right. know? Um, and so, so they have a large amount of resentment because they attribute that experience with their bad relationship with food. Right. And, you know, no amount of Weight Watchers getting a little bit better right now 
is going to fix that for them. They're still upset about that and they have the right to be upset about it. But, but Weight Watchers didn't know at that point. They weren't using points to try and, and hide calories. They were trying to use points to make it easier. Right. Right. And so, so now that, you know, we're all looking at it, you know, with my fitness pals and, and, and all these, you know, there's no shortage of food loggers on the internet Mm -hmm. with all different things, all of which, you know, are based on some formula that's very similar to Weight Watchers. And so if that were the answer, everyone would be good. And so it's very clear. This is the this is the most amazing thing to me about the dieting world, is that we know what works, right? We have a large evidence of, you know, the fact that dieting is actually more of the problem than the solution. And then when you look at, you know, kind of the bodybuilding world or the sports world or or something of this nature what you see very clearly is what we're going to talk about. And I'll, I'll talk, I'll, I'll tell you right now, but that you should be fueling your performance. You should be fueling your um, periods where calories normalize. Right. And so that allows you to hold on to muscle, hold on to lean mass workouts, get better, you know, and it also helps your relationship with food. And, and we'll get into that towards the end. But the mental health piece of dieting is very clear, right? We know from study after study that there's a strong connection between taking away someone's food and how their brain works. And so whether it's a direct connection between someone that, you know, is struggling mentally or it triggers something a little bit deeper, you have to know that going in when you're you're eating less, right? Because it's it's just not one of these things that you can do as an intervention, and then not understand that that there's some harm that could happen. And if you walk into the relationship, and then you know two months in, it's just not it's just not right, and they don't have an option for calories to come back. And that's really, really could potentially be harmful because now the business model over there is you lose weight. And the business model over here is really more of about a relationship with food where you're losing weight, you know, but there's really no time limit, right? And so that allows us when we offer a lifetime subscription, it allows us to do two things. It, it allows us to take your lifetime health in regard and then make decisions both ways. But it also allows you to know that you have this backup and that you don't have to pursue something that is kind of harmful in the moment. And you didn't know it when you jumped in. Right. Yeah. I, I just, I, the, so historically what is so interesting and of course hindsight is twenty twenty that at the time that the country is starting to eat more, become more sedentary, have more automation in our lives and have more um, and, and taking, that we can take less and less time in, in gathering and preparing food. And so we, we are 
we have more leisure time, if you want to put it that way, or more sedentary time. Um, the, so, so the diet programs are beginning and it was started with Weight Watchers and then it was, what was it? Diet workshop or something. I mean, there were like, there were a few. Oh, no. The oh. zone, the zone kind of well, came, zone came much later. So there were, but there were a whole, a host of sort of these beginning ones. Clearly, clearly it was a, um, a hundred percent, except for the rare occasion focused on women. And then at the same time is Jack LaLanne first and his wife was her name. I can't remember her name, Shirley, something like that, I don't know. Uh, which is terrible. Excuse me for not remembering, but, but, and they're promoting fitness and exercise. And a little later on comes Richard Simmons. And then also of course, Jane Fonda, but Jane Fonda is, is going to another place. Uh, uh, going to another population, but Susan, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you right there because you know we want to make these shorter and more consumable. So I think that's a great transition to episode two. So okay. why don't we stop right there and then we'll move into kind of the early days of fitness as it relates to maybe trying to manage your weight or getting active. And so, how it made people crazy. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So that that's episode one. 